Welcome to Cobra Kai Never Dies. I'm your host, Nina. I'm your other host, Sletha. And today we're talking about Season 5, Episode 9, Looking... Survivors. See, we had initially intended to just cram 9 and 10 together and just pod for four hours straight, but after rewatching this episode... I think it stands alone. I yeah. think it needs in-depth analysis. There was just so much chosen detail that I just... <laughs> We had to explore fully. Yeah, So absolutely. you guys are getting a bonus pod up. Yeah. I mean, you weren't going to get, like, our, our analysis of Chosen's drink of choice, his dance moves, his everything, but now you are. So I realized that that is, like, the main section. Like, most of my notes were just, like, what's Chosen doing now? <laughs> what's Chosen doing? Yeah. <laughs> what would Chosen do? A lot do? of interesting character choices. Um, okay, so we didn't talk about how we wanted to structure... Our review, I think it makes sense to do it chronologically. I don't yeah, know. why not? It kind of jumps around. We're, we're freeballing it, man. We, um, we pick up right after the teen party where, if you recall, Sam crushed by her own choice to break up with a man that she's broken up with many times like 12 before, times by now, I know. Runs out into the parking lot. After having seen him making out with another girl on a couch, as one does at a party, and oh... Oh, she's running out, and AKA what should happen? AKA's future wife. Um, <laughs> she runs into Tori, who, again, guys, Tori has been on a journey, a terrible journey. Not much is working out for her. And kind of to cap off her night, she gets into snitty fit with Sam, just as she's trying to do the right thing. Yeah, because, I mean, apparently she has told Sam at this point that uh, she's been working with Kreese since Silver was actually the one behind, I guess... Stingrays, like assault, etc., and oh yeah, and also that like the tournament was was rigged. Anyways, so I mean, Sam really the the part that's important to Sam is what. So I did win the All Valley. No one said that girl, but like you know, I guess the tournament was rigged. So Miguel and 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 Co run out there, and there there's Sam and Tori, and they're really going at it. They're fighting over which is the better actress, which is Tori. Like it's just ridiculous like how and i'm not sure if they started out that way but sam like all of her rage just seems so idiotic tori has a sort of like bewildered like her she looks like a teen that has been failed at every turn which is what has happened yes she's been abandoned by everybody and now she has to deal with sam's bullshit yeah and so she's like f this and she leaves and like but again like the actress who plays tori like she really really sells it like there's a lot of complexity but uh, when you see her act up against Sam, you're just like, oh, God. I know. It's like, Sam, you could never. Okay? Yeah. Anyway, um, what, I, what I found interesting is that scene closes with, so, like, Tori storms off, Sam storms off, and then Robbie and Miguel are just, like, shoulder to shoulder being like, <laughs> those girls. Right? <laughs> Did you know about this? No. And I'm like, man, I wish they like, hadn't buried the hatchet so far underground. Wait. They don't know about the baby, right? Or do they? They know about the baby, Okay. Yeah. God, maybe they're just like, we're going to be stepbrothers or whatever. And it's like, just we may as well lean into the Lean role. into make it. it until you make whatever. it. Whatever. I know. Like, What's they're they're this close to, like, getting matching tattoos at this point. And I have no problem with that, except unlike, say, like, Johnny and Daniel, they haven't, like, really earned it. And I'll say the same thing later in this episode when Tori and Sam kind of reconcile, like... Unearned, man. Unearned. Don't worry. When they do the college years, uh, we're going to have Robbie and... Actually, forget it. No one's going to pay Robbie's tuition. <laughs> <laughs> what about his wealthy-ass grandparents we just found out He about? has no connection to them. Again, Apparently his not. Mom's yeah. Um, I 
actually, since we've like started with the kids, Ed, do you want to just like do the kids and their yeah, plots? Because yeah. really, they're kind of separate from like the adult plot in this episode. Yeah. Um, so that next scene where it's or one of the scenes where they're at Miyagi Do and we find out Dimitri is still alive. Yes, God. he wasn't at the party, which is like, what? What were you doing, man? And Everyone honestly, you know is at that party. At this point, it just depresses me to watch these teenagers talk about all this karate machinations. And the funny thing about that is they have that brief scene where they're all in a huddle. Again, not really dressed in workout gear. Yeah, wait. What, why are not, they at Mik- Miyagi-Do? They're not I don't a know. lesson. I mean, they're not even pretending to be part of a dojo anymore. They're just hanging out. Yeah, I guess maybe they just hang out there. Because the very next scene, they cut to Cobra Kai. And they're in the middle. Again, it's not fun (laughs) to be in Cobra Kai. They're actually doing brutal... They do seem to be working out a lot more. What did I tell you? Why do you think Kenny is so good after being in Cobra Kai for like... One week. Meanwhile, yeah, you're right, actually. Like, meanwhile, Miyagi-Do, it's like, so do you, do, do you guys do lessons anymore? Um, but they're, when they're there in their little huddle, um, you know, this is when they, they after like, dealing with the revelations they've all just learned, their new plan is to go see Stingray. And here's a thread that goes to the episode that I actually quite like, because it has been implied in earlier parts of the series. Bert and Stingray are, like, legitimately friends. Like, yeah. And, you, and part of Stingray's charm is that he just has this multi-generational love. Like, he's he's willing to pal out with Crease. Like, Crease didn't want anything to do with him. He not want that, yeah. But it's like he's willing to have older friends, younger friends. Like, a, just a ragtag right. group. Right, yeah. And, like, you, I actually, like, super dug that. Where it's just, like, I could totally see those two, like, nerding out after class over, like, something or other. And genuinely just being like, yeah, man, Stingray's my friend. And now he has a mansion. And now he has a mansion. And so, like, cut to the next kid scene. Uh, Stingray is playing Dungeons and Dragons with uh, with some some nerds he knows. Although he calls it Dungeons and Dojos, I, I appreciate that. Yeah. I like the little touches there. Um, his friends leave in a huff because he's apparently kind of a bully as a dungeon master. And you know, Bert shows up, and I really like genuine how genuinely happy like Stingray was to see Bert. You I know? know, but then he realizes he's part of a karate karate intervention. Oof, yeah. Because Bert has brought, like, the whole Scooby gang with him. And they all kind of barge into Stingray's apartment, which I was like, yeah, I mean, if if there's any, like, grown man who might get bullied by a group of teenagers, it is Stingray. So, sure, why not? Yeah, and it's like, look, um, I I think it's maybe just the presence of Sam, once again, being, like, at her most self-righteous. And, you know, she's, like, silver terrorized my dad, blah, blah, blah. And then Stingray, again, because he's traumatized from his assault by silver has to use the game to tell these teens what he went through and even then sam is like oh you're like you don't want to give up your benefits but think about it guys we are millennials we're gonna stand up for stingray Mm -hmm. here stingray just suffered a like a an assault that put him in the hospital and he's actually right to be scared of, of silver. Of course, yeah. A man with infinity resources. Infinity resources. Who is paying for a home that, let's be honest, Stingray would not have. Stingray has no source of income. And honestly, like, I hadn't actually given it that much thought. Like, I honestly was like, oh, well, you know, Stingray, like, isn't going to, like, recant what he said. That means he, like, committed perjury on the stand, etc. But, like, actually, like, when Stingray, like, sort of explains it, you know, through his D&D metaphors and such, it's just like... Yeah, no, a crazy person beat the crap out of you, and then you were offered 
like, hey, guess what? I'll, I'll give you, like, a free apartment and some other shit if you just, like, lie about what happened and say this other asshole who just as easily could have beaten the crap out of you if you just say that he did it. And, like, yeah, on the one hand, it's, like, by not going along with Silver's plan, like, Silver's probably going to kill you and you're not going to, like, get a cool apartment or something like yeah, that. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. I mean, when you think about, like, the fact that both Mike Barnes and Stingray have suffered the consequences of, like, Silver's, like, seemingly endless reserves of power. His ability to be everywhere all at once. Right. And it's, like, it makes total sense for them to be like, you know what? Fuck this. I tried. I'm out. At least I I get a nice pad out of it in a car. I'm sorry, but until Sam has her furniture business. Oh, my God. I know. Slash her, whatever, her Santa Monica jewelry store, burned (laughs) to the ground. Right. I, I don't think he should, like, she just storms out, and she's, like, such a, she's, Peak Sam. She's being such a fucking asshat. Not just to not just to Stingray, but like when Miguel follows her and is like, oh you know, please, what, what's wrong? She's also equally pissed. I swear to God, equally pissed that Miguel was making out with another girl. That's clearly not about that because she doesn't want to talk about it, guys. Right. And then it also leads to her basically recapping her stupid life again for like the eighth time. And you can tell Miguel is trying to pick up the strings to like connect the dots and he's like getting more and more lost and he was like but you said you wanted to focus on yourself and you quit karate but then you're joining this international karate tournament and she's like yes but no but yes. I mean essentially what she seems she seems to be trying to tie her stupid plot to the main plot by saying well I really only quit karate because I thought I lost the tournament. And, you know, maybe if I hadn't thought I lost the tournament, I would still be in karate, and um, maybe we'd still be... She implies that they would still be together, which is just like, I... What? How insulted would you be if someone was like, you know, our relationship is just a series of circumstances? Right. Like... If you, you know, all, one, all relationships are a series of circumstances. If you move one chess piece, you know, would we even be potting together? I can't even believe we're potting I mean, right now. It's crazy. <laughs> um... It truly is happenstance. But, right. oh, I wanted to say one more totally almost off-topic thing, but not quite. Um, I recently saw this series on Apple TV called Blackbird. Um, uh-huh. And it's about, like, this dude... It's based on a true story where, like, this dude who's in prison for, like, drug-dealing charges, like, he gets, like, promised an earlier release if he basically infiltrates this much crazier mass security prison and befriends this dude... Um, who's, like, a serial killer, but, like, he's, at like, due to get released soon because it's, like, they haven't proven yet that he's a serial killer, although they're pretty sure that he is. And they're, like, get him to talk about, like, where some of the victim's bodies are and then we can, like, actually put him away for life. And uh, Stingray, I can't remember the actor's name, he plays the serial killer. Wow, okay. He's so good. Like, it is actually one of the few things that I've seen about, like, a serial killer that manages to make him, like sympathetic without actually like you sympathizing with him if that makes sense it's like yeah like you can understand like he's a very broken individual but you also are like now this like the problem with these movies is i think that like the people portraying them almost do like they make them too human and then suddenly you're like oh well i don't want him to be in prison for life this is like the kind of movie where you're like i see his problems but this guy should definitely be in prison for life and i was just like Kind of blown away by how good an actor Stingray is. So this is Stingray Spawn Con that you're doing. I mean, yeah, I, I it is. <laughs> it actually is. Somebody pay me for this, but like Stingray does not have the money to pay us for this, right? But I did like. I guess I was noticing this because, like, the first time I watched this episode, I had not seen Blackbird, and this is my second time around. And like at the end of like Stingray's scene, he has a nice little moment of acting, like 
Stingray is a pretty broad guy. Like, he's not usually required to, like, call on emotional reserves. But, like, you know, like, when he's just kind of like, I'm just scared. And I'm, I'm not the noble warrior that I play. I was like, you know, this character, like, he's not given much. But he, he does what not he can. Not just that, but he also manages through the Dungeons and Dojos thing. Actually, like, you know, he portrays the coup that happened. And ultimately, it was like, Silver's after power. And someone who's that intent on grabbing power will stop at nothing. That actually makes a lot more sense than whatever Silver has, through exposition, told us he's after. Which right? makes no sense. No. I, Silver, like, it's makes like, so little sense if at you're any like, moment. If they had just been like, Terry Silver, you know, back in Vietnam, felt powerless. He gained strength through his friendship with Crease, But he's always felt like that scared, you know, defenseless boy. Then this power grab makes perfect sense. And now he has the money and whatever karate ability to do it. Not that you need karate ability; you just need to like buy up. Some money bojos. is fine. Yeah, yeah, I know. Money is totally money fine. will do it. And also, it's just yeah. Again, I feel like the silver problem for me has always been like his machinations like amount to like I don't know. They're like yeah, he's trying to uh, get an international franchise going. I'm like oh, okay, um, <laughs> like it's almost. It, it almost seems more epic through Stingray's retelling. Yes. Like, it's Keeping just, it vaguer. Like, yeah, it's just about power. You he know, wants power. It's like, it's like if Darth Vader was like, look, I want to open up, like, two Death Stars. <laughs> and then... A Death Star on Death every porch. <laughs> no. It's too much. It's like... You take away some of the magic. You take away some of the magic when you actually, like, stop and define, like, wait, what evil things do you want to do? Like, Kreese is evil, like I, I mentioned... Kind of works better because he wanted to lord it over some kids in a dojo. Like, one dojo, and he wanted to be a dick to them. And, like, that's kind of like everyday evil that you can sort of see. Whereas, like, Silver's over-the-top epic evil is sort of like, what does that mean, realistically speaking, yeah. though? Yeah, Um. Oh, yeah. I mean, are we done with the kids? No. So I was thinking, let's talk about the training, or, like, all of the Cobra Kai scenes. You're so because... right. We're not done with those kids. And, right. and Robbie and all of that shit. Yes. Yeah, okay. And then we can also finish up with Tori and Sam's little closure moment. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. Uh, gotta say, God, at Cobra Kai, they're always fucking exercising. Mm-hmm. And I love it for them. And I honestly, just like Miyagi-Do, you guys don't even have to pretend to be a dojo because you don't hang out with the entire back row. Again, where is penis breath? Right. Where's it was just breath? Dimitri and a few people, and Sam, who can't be any fun to hang out with. Oh, God, I know. Um. Anyway, so Sensei Kim and Silver, I'm going to say it, they're a power couple. There's a lot of, like, unspoken tension. It's almost like Silver is, like, uber smooth, but also sort of asexual. Yeah. Yeah, he's just like, I don't know what he cares about. Apparently power, but it's just like, he's not... I told you, I think Kreese is the key. Like, that's when he's most alive. That's when he looks like he cares. Him and Iron Braid have kind of like an interesting respect thing going on. They, they're they like slinging drinks together. Right. I mean, at a certain point, like, they, they like toast to each other. They talk about youth in a way that's sort of like, are you guys vampires? Oh, right. Um, okay. So this is my theory, which I'll talk about now, I guess. Yeah, why not? <laughs> we'll get back to Tori like, and Co. in a second. This? So I was like, something that I had a rumor, whatever, or not a rumor, but like a theory that I'd seen the one of the three times I log into Twitter to our Twitter account per year was like that 
you know, what was Terry Silver taking pills for? And we were like, Viagra. But um, the man doesn't need that. So. Wow. Okay. (laughs) Assumptions much? Iron Braid talk to me. Anyway, I'm just saying that I think that one of the theories is that he's like got cancer or he has some sort of terminal illness. He's taking medication. Um, and if so, that would explain why not take all the cocaine you, you have. I suppose. Um, but then that scene earlier when he was in the hospital and he ran into, um, yes, why was he there? There's all this series, you know, Daniel's like, maybe he's there for a hospital board meeting. I'm sorry. No, I don't buy that. I thought it was prostate cancer, but, um, you know, it could have been anything. <laughs> That's yeah. very specific. <laughs> Um, you heard it here for folks, prostate cancer, Terry Silver. You know, like one out of three men have it, right? Like that's, I'm just saying guys, this is another, this is a public service announcement. Get checked. Um, but you are all over the place. (laughs) Sorry, your theory. Go ahead. No, that was it. I think he's dying. I think this, this, he talks about the legacy. He talks about his youth and how that's one thing we don't have. Who gets cancer? Everybody gets cancer. No, guys. Not everybody. But anyway, he's feeling like his life force is slipping away. So really? this is a I power mean, grab. I was going to say that, like, if Chris has one of those, like, crazy terminal illnesses that still leaves you, like, able to, like, kick ass in karate battles. Well, well I mean, that's your classic. for. That's, wow. That's your classic, like, movie illness, I suppose. I wouldn't put it past, like, anybody to have done that. But, I mean, my theory, like, looking at Chris and, or sorry, looking at Silver and Iron Braid, kind of, like, drinking and, like, I was just like, oh, I think that they're setting Iron Braid up to be the villain next season, right? Okay, I'm going to go deep with this theory because Iron Braid was drinking a cocktail. She was, like, ready to make some moves. Terry Silver looked like he was drinking water, you know, because guess what doesn't mix with your cancer medication? (laughs) Cocktails, guys. It's all right there. Wow. I mean, he stopped taking his medication last season, if you recall. You know what? If he dies without your recognizing it, well, you'll have that on your conscience. I mean, I think that and there is a question where, like, of course, and God, see, we said we were going to talk about the kids, but we've whatever. Let's silver it out. Let's get let's get our silver over with. In the beginning of the episode, um, when you see Johnny and Carmen, like they're at the hospital, they're like doing a sonogram, yay, okay, and then like they go to the elevator and they're making out and like you know smiling at each other, then bam, Silver walks in and he says cryptic things, and you're just like. Is he everywhere? What is he? <laughs> was he just like waiting in the hospital? Honestly, I, was, I, I almost did a slow clap because guess what? We didn't really need or want that sonogram scene. And it's, again, it's just another stab in the heart. I, I've been out at his team Robbie here because honestly, when Johnny was like, I missed all of Robbie's formative moments, AKA that's why I don't feel that attached to him. Oh, look, it's my new son. <laughs> or daughter. <laughs> or daughter. Uh, you don't know. Um, Somebody I love. You know, unlike my uh, son. Why don't Why 16. don't Daniel and Johnny ever bond over the fact that they don't love their sons? I mean, that's a season six thing, right? But anyway, thankfully Terry Silver was like, I was actually contra- congratulating you about your like spot in this karate tournament, etc. But congratulations on the baby, and then he says creepy things about legacy, and you know, I really did at that point. I was like hoping. That they would, like, the elevator would open and, like, his doctor would be like, wait, Mr. Silver, you forgot your prostate exam results. <laughs> I think that that would have been something that I the mean, old Cobra God. Kai would have done, the honestly. for the cutting room floor. That's something, when the show took itself a little less seriously, or maybe a little more seriously, I'm like, they would have punctured that. Episode 9 by itself, because I gotta tell you, like, 
this rewatching this episode specifically like opens up a whole world for season six. Like, what if we told the season through Terry Silver's eyes, uh, like recapping the last year? Where oh he, God, he's he was at that piano. He had just found out he had prostate cancer. <laughs> Prostate cancer, you guys, is not actually, like, lethal. You uh, get checked. He was like, you know what? I got to focus on the relationships that mean the most to me. He breaks up with Cheyenne. He, like, decides, I'm not going to put my money in this shitty app. I'm going to put it towards my first love, crease and karate. In that order. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But, you know. That then means- Daniel got in the way, goddammit, like he always does. And these stupid teens. If it weren't for those damn kids. Right. Exactly. I- you know what, Nina? That makes about as much sense as the journey and that he's currently on. And we only saw one Why angle not? of the surveillance video. For all we know, Stingray attacked him first. Yeah, that seems like Stingray. <laughs> oh, Silver. Like, yeah, some, somewhere out there. Cam. There's like a spinoff that's just about like like Silver's point of view. You know how there's like a book about like Grendel's point of view of Beowulf? Like yes. that. <laughs> yes. Okay. Um... um but sorry, we were actually going to talk about like the Cobra, Cobra Kai, Kai kids. Yes. So, so Tori, Tori goes through it, man, in this episode, and I like that. You know, when the other teens are like Scooby doing it at uh, Stingray's place, Robbie actually just like is like, nope, not what. That's not what I'm doing this episode. Nope. So he goes to the Cobra Kai dojo, and I liked it. I don't know why. I mean, really? but I hated it. I really. Thought, so I feel like he's. They overcorrected. He's so zen this entire season that it's spooky. It's like he's retained no personality. The one moment that I like is that he came back to basically say, like, Cobra Kai's a scam and pull it. But he couldn't have expected it to work. Don't know why he did it. I I have. This is why I liked it, actually. I don't think he exactly expected it to work. But I think that... Again, the thing that made Robbie likable for me was the previous season and his relationship with Kenny. And he's always had nice chemistry with Tori, but, like, there, I think there's, like, a certain thing where, like, he has, like, just a lot of affection for Kenny and, you know, for and feelings for Tori as well. And, like, for, with Tori, like, that revelation about, like, everything that happened, he comes back and, you know, he doesn't start with Cobra Kai's a, Cobra Kai's a scam leave. He starts with, like, I want to apologize I want to apologize for, like, leaving you, just for up and leaving. I shouldn't have done that. And that's when he switches to, I should have taken you guys all with me. But I think that the real reason he goes is because he wants to say that he's sorry. He never did, right? Not to, like, not really, especially not to Kenny or, or Tori. And I think this is, like, a this is like a thing where it's just, like, he cares about them. And he did leave. And, you know, not that, like, it's not the worst thing that anyone's ever done. Kenny's dad? God. But, you know, Kenny's dad's at war, Nina. Okay. Kenny's been a little shit for way too long. I mean, if you... It's kind of hard to root for at this point. Well, yeah, he's like Darth Kenny now. But, like, Robbie... Robbie doesn't watch the show, Nina. Robbie's, like, actually just, like, you know... I I guess it's something about his delivery. I I agree that, like, whenever he connects it to his relationship with Kenny, it's authentic. I love it. But sometimes, like, just the scene of, like, Robbie walking into Cobra Kai, like, randomly to deliver a speech... It's like he's been through two years of AA meetings, and he's he kind of to like I feel the like gospel. I totally think he kind of has, and like, and Miguel says at one point to Sam in this episode, like, you don't know what it's like to have been in Cobra Kai, like, and which occurs, occurs to me that everybody except Sam and Dimitri has been in Cobra Kai at least once in some form, yeah. right? But like, 
Yeah, I think that he is sort of like basically like he's gone through AA. He is preaching the gospel, and I think I, I don't know. I guess I liked it because it's like I wasn't quite expecting it, and I also like that it doesn't work. And like Silver's just like, yeah. Do you like Silver slow clap? I like Silver slow clap. I like his whole like. Dude, come on. There's a difference between, like, hearing someone and listening to someone. Please go now. It's also just, like, I wish that, um... I wish that Robbie hadn't ended that speech with being, like, you have other choices. And he knows that he's referring to Miyagi-Do, where, like, the kids don't do any karate. Like, Kenny's, like, uh, I've gotten pretty goddamn good in, like, two weeks. Right. And you guys don't have keys. You barely have a functioning dojo. <laughs> Where's your senseis, huh? Like, are there clubbing today? You're cool. following Chosen's machinations. Yeah. So, and yes, this is all true. Absolutely. Like, also, I think it's kind of goofy that, it, spoiler alert, like, obviously in the next episode, all the kids, like, find out that it turns out that, like, Sensei Silver, like, paid off refs and was cheating and shit. Um, and they're like, they all immediately abandon Cobra Kai on mass. And I'm kind of like, you didn't abandon it when people all over the place kept telling you it was a scary cult. You're not going to abandon it because of one cheating scandal. Like, no. I know. I mean, if you could have told Kenny, get out after a year, you'll be insanely good at karate, like good enough to beat off any bullies. You'll get like a thermos or was that for the quitters? I don't know. I don't remember. You'll get like this awesome towel <laughs> and the key. <laughs> And the memories, which the are memories. great. Yeah. But no, like, it's, pe- people are there because they want to be there, and that's that says a lot of bad things about us as a society, but I do think it's, like, very stupid that, like, they've decided the way to resolve all this is if only people knew the truth about Silver. I feel like these kids know everything they need to know about Silver, and there's a reason why people follow leaders even when they are, like, kind of shitty, even when they know they're kind of shitty. Like, Yeah, but, I mean, what's interesting about Cobra Kai is, like, you're not actually getting a community of sorts. Like, you're pitted against your fellow students. You don't have a charismatic leader. You're just getting some great karate skills out of you it. You are getting some great karate Except skills Tori, out of it. It's like who, again, army. is kind of cursed. Like, Kenny actually got a pretty good deal. Like, Kenny hasn't been brutalized. He's just turning into a little asshole. But poor Tori, like, her Cobra Kai, like, the leadership change means she has to pummel a rock. Oof, yeah. So, Robbie and Tori exchange, like, a little look when he's there, uh, and Sensei Ironbraid catches on to it. And the thing is, like, Tori's already due for some punishment, because if, lest you forget, she skipped out on, like, the big fight last episode. She's the reason why Miyagi Fang wormed its way into the Sekai Taikai. So, like, I was expecting some retribution. I didn't expect it to be this bad. And, like, they also sort of link that to, like, oh, well, did you skip out on the tournament because of this boy that you exchanged one flirty look with? Like, Iron Braid. Basically, they make her, like, punt... Like, they make her do that thing that Daniel had to do in Karate Kid 3, except, like, instead of wood, I think it's... Yeah, it's, it's just stone. It's far worse. It's far worse. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, she's punching it. I like... I like that, you know, Tori... Like, her first reaction is, like, no, I'm not punching stone. I'm gonna leave. It's, like... There's a part of her that's just like, wait, no, wait, this is the real world. I can, like, Yeah, leave. she's not as vulnerable as Daniel, who, like, could have left at any moment. Right. What's weird is that, was Iron Braid being like, look, this is a cult. You actually can't leave. And you would leave I realize this is... Of- yeah, exactly. Like, they closed right. Yeah, like, the, the ringer sensei is all just, like, block her exit. So it's just like, yeah, okay. We're not even, like, pretending this is, like, mental control. This is actual physical control, which... 
you know, all right. Tori, like, turns around and starts punching that rock. And she really, like, loses it when, um, you know, like, basically Iron Braid accuses her of, like, betraying the dojo for that boy. And she was like, I broke up with him for this dojo, you bitch. And, you know. Only Terry Silver has, like, a sort of, that must have been rough kind of, like. Right. Iron Braid is, do you ever wonder what Iron Braid's backstory is from that, like, friendly, hopeful little girl in that flashback scene to the Iron Braid we see today. I'd be curious. I mean, I imagine it's almost exactly like a a plot taken from Mortal Kombat 3, but yeah. I know. Okay. Um, God. The side scripts. Right? The side scripts. Um, Okay, so let's talk about Sam and Tori. So after Tori has had maybe the worst night and day of her life, I don't know. That girl has a lot of lows. Epic lows. To make her day even worse, who does she see but Sam at her Sam door? Sam comes to her apartment. And she finally gets... See, I would be more impressed with the scene if I felt like she's had about 50 reality checks where it's like, hey, other people have it worse than you. Like, remember when Anthony was telling you about how he got dunked in some shit and you were like, everybody has problems, man. Yeah. <laughs> like, talk to me when you've been given a swirly. Right? And so she... You, you know, she sees the apartment, and it's kind of, like, it. there's a lot of crap and, like, takeout boxes. And then I do appreciate the subtlety in that, like, she sees there's an open door, and you can see, like, a hospital bed and a woman's feet and nothing else. And that's obviously, like, Tori's mom, who she takes care of. And, like, I like that they, like, just put that one subtle shot in there. But you're right. I mean, unlike with Devin's story, where it's, like... We're going to hear about the cancer regimen and about this woman we've never met. Right, yeah, and it's like, it, at least they, they don't, they've never, like, overplayed their hands, like, with that. But, like, I do think, like, come on, Sam. Like, your mom, like, used to be, like, a surrogate, like, life coach for Tori. You probably know that Tori's been, has a, a worse hand than you do. I, whatever. Do you ever wonder why they dropped that whole thing? Because um, they definitely, like, teased it for three episodes. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Maybe it is kind of weird to, like, mother someone else's kid. Like, as much as it would be, like, Sam's comeuppance, it's also, What are you like, talking about? This entire show is about people... Fathering each Fathering and, like, parenting other people's kids. Yeah, that's true. That is true. I really feel like there was a decisive, like, change in the writer's room about what to do with Amanda, where it's like, okay, guys... I know we want Amanda to, like, break bad, but what if she didn't and actually became a pod person? And became, like, the biggest, like, karate cheerleader of all time. drives me crazy what they're doing with the female characters on the show. Yeah. I can't defend it. I can't. Um, Well, I... To be fair, I have not minded Tori's journey that much. But look at how they've punished Tori. Does, Does Tori ever get a break? I'd like to think that, like... Is her last... Like, is her last scene gonna be, like... Sam, like, accidentally kicking her off a cliff. Oh, God. But, you know, like, the thing is, this has really been a showcase for, for Tori, though. Like, because it's like, yeah, look, her life sucks. But, like, what they're giving her character to do, she gets, like, to do the badass breaking stone moment, and then, like, the icing her hand afterwards. And then, like, oh, God, like, when she tells Sam, like, when she thought she won the tournament, that was the best moment of her life. Like, it's sad, but it's also, like... I don't mind what they've done with Tori. Like, it's not so inconsistent. So you're saying this is like a severance argument where, like, for the character Tori, it sucks. But for the actors playing Tori, it's great. Yes, that is actually what I'm saying. They're giving, <laughs> yeah, they, they are giving, like, her good material to work with. Also, they managed to, like, 
unlike, say, Amanda, who is basically like, oh, everything that you were, like, in season one no longer exists, Tori is not, like, she's still recognizable as the character we met in season two. Um, she's still recognizable as, like, the character who challenges, like, Samantha LaRusso to a fight and, like, at school. But, like, she's just sort of, like, she, she, things have happened to her and she's grown and changed in some ways. And aside from, like, their weird, like, attempt to make her Devin's mentor, which, stop with the mentor plots, I'm done with it. Like, I generally think that, like, she, like, her character arc is actually going somewhere. Whereas, like, Sam, for instance, has been running through the same paces for, like, nine years. Yeah, Um, I don't, I mean, I feel like there's still a very, there's a very, at the end of this episode, there's a very uneasy truce in place, but they're not, you know, getting matching tattoos. Yet. I mean, yes. Which is very disturbing, because I think Tori deserves better. Right. I don't particularly think that they should be, like, best buds at any point in the near future. Um, and mainly, it's like, the problem with Samantha and anybody in a scene together is that Samantha's such a bad actress. Oh, God. I feel bad saying that about, like, a real person. But, like, she's not, she doesn't really, like, sell anything. So she always seems, like, just sort of petulant about everything. Um, but, like, you know, she is like, okay, well, maybe we can the work together. The only thing I can think of is that maybe she, like, witnessed a murder uh, or, like, saved a producer's child or, like, that's how she's getting cast. Like, there's there's just no explanation for it. Right. And why, like, I don't know, I don't understand why they, maybe because she is the only female student in Miyagi-Do, which, again, just add more female students to Miyagi-Do, but, like, they feel the need to sort of center her every season. You know what I mean? Like, even Miguel is, like, slowly, as Miguel, like, honestly, just his character has, like, sort of reached a point where there's not that much more to do with him. You can tell they gave him fewer plot lines. I think that's totally fine. I love Miguel, yeah, guys, and I think that's fine. feminism isn't giving the worst character in a show 50 scenes. Yeah, she has, like, way too many, too much screen time for someone who's that, like, terrible. Um, like, if you wanted to be make this a feminist show, give Amanda a gun, let her go rogue, let her have the divorce life, <laughs> let her do Under the Tuscan Sun. Yeah, other spinoffs that we could do here. Like, um, but yeah... <sighs> And I'm sorry, I, I'm sure that the actress who plays her is like a really, is a lovely person and might actually be, like Stingray, very good in other roles, Like maybe, maybe there's a, just not a lot written in the character. Maybe she's a serial killer in another show, <laughs> and we can buy that, right. honestly. Yes. Let's it would do actually that. make this character make sense. Yes. Like, she's a sociopath, she doesn't actually care about anybody. I mean, There's a reason yeah. she brings it back to her. It always comes back to Sam, all roads lead to Sam. Right. Um, Have we finally reached the adults? Okay, yeah, let's yes. talk about the Brat Pack, a.k.a. I guess Amanda Chosen, Johnny Daniel, uh, and I guess Anoush... And Louie. And Louie are just buds. And they're, I, they're I not it. working. They're hanging out all the time. And they were like, actually, like, let's take a break. Again. Not from their jobs. No, no, no. But from stalking Terry Silver. It's pretty goofy. And I kind of like, I'm, I'm into it because it was like incredibly goofy. Like they're all standing around the car dealership where nobody's working. And like, you know, Johnny's talking about his encounter in the elevator. And I love that they basically just, instead of like actually taking this information and, you know, like, well, okay, what does this mean? Like, why is silver everywhere, etc.? They're just like, let's just, let's just use this as a chance to pivot and say, come on. Silver could have been in a hospital for any reason. Prostate cancer, um, like, as Daniel says, like, could have been a board meeting or maybe he's selling kidneys. Who knows? Um, and they're just like, you know what? Let's just relax. Let's just go out. Let's have a night off. Uh, Johnny slips that, like, Carmen's pregnant. Everybody's happy. Louis is just like... 
hey, I'm going to plan a party for you guys. You know why? Because I feel bad for torturing your car in season one. And you know what? I'm fine with it. <laughs> Whatever, she, Louis. I knew she's cooler than all of them because he's like, I've got a date. And he's like, I, I don't really I don't want to celebrate my, the guy who punched me in the stomach I don't want to hang out with my coworkers. Yeah. I'm sorry. I love Anoush, man. And like, you know, just, I love, I love Louis less than Anoush, but I, I think they're, they're fun together. And I like that they have a, a total, like. Johnny Daniel, early seasons vibe. They have a total unrelated B-plot is what they have. It's yeah. like Shakespeare or something where it's like, meanwhile, um, it turns out that Noosh, his date, is with Louis' sister, and hijinks ensue, and then they, like, end the episode by hugging it out. I mean, it's perfect. It's just, ugh, brilliant. Yeah, I mean, Chef's while Nessa was there, is she ever going to pick up that therapy session where she interrogates Daniel and his wife about Anthony. Oh, God, yeah. Again, they... the dropped plot lines where... I mean, that's not dropped. I mean, Anthony's like... still unloved. They just kind of forgot no, about him. Yeah, it's just like they got a little too close to the truth and mm-hmm. they backed the Totally realistic off. to me that they're just like, eh, let's just get him another Game Boy and call it a day. <laughs> um, All right, do we want to talk about, okay, the club drinks? Okay, yeah. Johnny... I guess looks at White Claw and he's like, "This is the most baller drink." Tries it, spits it out, but then keeps drinking it. Yeah, nice touch. Yeah, he's grown as a person. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I like that he would look at White Claw and be like, "Badass," because you know, it's good. It's good branding for like what it is. Daniel orders some complicated drink. Did you note that down? Ah, uh, was it a martini? I think it was some mar- kind of martini. Yeah, a kettle one like martini. Yeah, God, he's such a douche. Chosen does a masterful grifter move where he pretends that he doesn't want to drink because, you know, he's working, quote unquote. And then Daniel's like, you're off the clock like he was ever on the clock. <laughs> I was like, you can drink. And it's like, this is, what, this is why you make friends with your boss. There's like a billion reasons not to do it. But for Chosen, who's played the, the, the ultimate game, he got, what, a, a year-long stay. Is at Daniel a, his boss? Yes! I mean, Daniel's his mark, you know, not his boss. Daniel's just like this dude. He's like somehow managed to I told to you my sub here. theory that Chosen hates Daniel and <laughs> finds him insufferable. So Probably. this is work for him. I mean, that's just Spending point. 24 hours a day. Well, if that's the case, the grift seems like more trouble than it's worth. It's, oh my God. Well, I told you, like, Chosen is going to snap. Like, he has all of this deep-seated rage against Daniel He's been playing this... The super long con. Yes. Uh, The chosen long game, guys. Chosen, by the way, orders a Long Island iced tea, which I think fits your theory, because a Long Island iced tea, aside from, like, being a really efficient drink, contains every kind of alcohol imaginable, probably pretty, like, expensive for this bar, you know? They charge a lot for those. I mean, it's a fun-looking bar. There's, like, 80s lights and 80s music, and it's just a fun vibe. It's a club that, like, exclusively plays 80s hits, so, you know, good job, guys, for finding this place. Um, Chosen, um... (laughs) Chosen gets to do, like, a lot of historical revisionism, because they kind of open to this, like, group hangout where Chosen and Daniel are, like, Honest to God, once again reminiscing about the events of Karate Kid Part 2, which we have seen that movie. It's dark. Yeah. And, like, honestly, part of me was like, should I, I never thought I'd say this, but should we watch Karate Kid 2 in light of this, like, Bite new your chosen? fucking tongue! Like, I just, he was, considering, like, how much, like, in the beginning of, like, Cobra Kai the series, like, how much rage 
um, that like uh, Daniel still carries towards Johnny for like bullying him, which I understand. I'm not and, dismissing. And Carrie Silver for all of you know everything the Karate Kid three events, but it's like there's some sort of like wormhole in Okinawa where like he maybe just doesn't remember the event. It was all in good fun. It's like. Yeah, no, that man ziplined in with a knife, but okay. All right, and, like, they, they start with, like, Chosen basically talking about the incredible plot hole in Karate Kid 2 where he, like, is, like, trying to scam villagers by, like, having that... Remember, like, he's... Yeah, exactly, and they talk about it like that was the thing that he, like, lost honor for, and I'm like, no, you threatened Kumiko's life. You were a crazed sociopath. By the way... Kumiko, has anyone heard from her lately? Is dance school in Tokyo just code for a shallow grave? Ooh. I mean, I know. Well, that's what I was thinking the first time I saw this. And then it's like, oh, God, they're going to pick this up again. Because guess what, guys? Chosen's got a crush. And the guys have a little guy talk. I mean, yeah. uh, I do think nice little touches that when Carmen and um, what's her name, Amanda, like hit the dance floor... Johnny chooses chose to stay behind with Chosen because, you know, guys sipping on Long Island. You don't want to leave the guy, that guy alone. This is when he reveals that, like, well, Johnny, actually, I, first of all, I respect that any two people who try to have a heart-to-heart talk in a club, like, that's that's hard to do. I think it's inevitable that you'll end up saying, we're the same. Yeah. I. When, you, when the lights are flashing and the 80s music is playing, everyone's the same at heart. <laughs> um, but it's it's a very, like... For a show that's really no longer that much about Johnny anymore, which, again, like with yeah, the Miguel thing. Yeah, it's Chosen now. Well, yeah, it's the Chosen <laughs> show. I'm okay with them being like, Johnny has reached this place, and it's like, it's kind of nice that they didn't have to, like, do a huge, like, epic revelation. He's at a club, he's talking to Chosen, and he's like, I used to think my life went wrong, like, with this one kick, but now I'm glad where I ended up. And it's, like, not earth-shattering, but it's just sort of, like, a nice place to leave this guy. Um, Chosen, meanwhile, this is when you find out... He's living a bachelor life in Okinawa, and Shocker. he has always been in love with Kumiko. And later when Daniel, like, I mean, Johnny, of course, like, tells, like, Daniel about it somehow. And, like, uh, when Daniel's asking him about it, um, God, it's so weird, man. It's I hate, so weird. I really hate the equivalence between Johnny, or Chosen saying him and Johnny are the same, because it's like, okay, you went through this, like, terrifying dojo and nursed a grudge that effectively kind of ruined your life chosen tried to kill a woman uh ran away from it and like i believe at the end of the episode or sorry at the end of the karate kid 2 when the typhoon hits and his village is being like demolished he like runs away like he look man the karate kid 2 like the villagers were right to turn their back on you yes and look man i it's a very badly written movie like chosen's like way over the top he zip lines in with a knife for god's sakes but it, unfortunately, in the reality of this universe, it did apparently happen just that way. So The worst part of all of this is, like, when Daniel comes in, and again, Daniel is his employer, so it's like, <laughs> he has to go along with whatever Daniel says, but Daniel's like, look, my friend who I've bought and paid for, um, look, you've paid your dues, and it's like, no, he didn't go to jail. Uh, he might have moved out of the village where the villagers hated him. End of scene. Well, he drove Kumiko out of the country. Well, apparently, uh, if, according to this retcon, whatever you call it, he and Kumiko were childhood friends. Sure. Okay, fine. It was a small village. I get that. 
Um, and apparently, after he did all the shit he did, after the zip lining, after that, all he, that rapey behavior, all that rapey behavior, he went away and hid in shame. And Kumiko went and found him. And that in itself is like, this is that this seems is, like a toxic dynamic. Yeah, this is exactly like how a stalker would describe it. It's like, but she was really chasing me, guys. And it's like, well, then why does she look so terrified every time you're around? And I mean, why do you need a knife? To- like. It's super weird, and I don't even. I'm not I even saying. It. I don't know what I'm saying. Like I don't. I, I don't think they needed to bring Chosen or anything from Karate Kid Two back. But since they did, like, it's so strange that, like, you know, when Daniel goes to Okinawa, it's Kumiko who basically like hooks him up with uh, with Chosen. It's like obviously Kumiko and Chosen are in touch and they hang out. But that just gives me more questions about their entire like relationship. Like the what? only way, I mean, I gotta say, if they actually make this chosen Kumiko thing happen in season six, I will burn this pod down. But what I would like in my alternate universe is Kumiko masterminding this whole thing. She's working with Silver because her ultimate punishment. She's been playing for thirty years. Who's playing the long game? It ain't Silver. It's Kumiko. Like everything, showing the letters to Daniel, all of it. I mean, I'd like to think that she's the one who went back in time and started this karate rivalry in the first place. She saved the business because later she's going to destroy it. (laughs) It wasn't Tornado Girl. Oh, God. I think that she's the one who caused the typhoon deep down inside. Um, But, oh, my God. No, wait. Let's, no, no. (laughs) That was a non sequitur. Let us not go down this path. Um, you are stifling my creativity oh, here. I'm, I'm keeping I us in line. I was going to talk about how Kumiko got plastic surgery. To look like Mike Barnes? Yes. <laughs> it all adds up. I was going to say Amanda, but whatever. So that would make her the... No! No! I said we're not going to go through this. We see later, like, outside the club, like, uh, Chosen is calling, is basically leaving a drunk message for Kumiko. And it's just like, he's very, like, sort of, you know... It would be kind of sweet if we didn't know everything that we know about these two characters. But, like, at the end, he's like, you know, I'm glad I came here. But just one thing. I wish I had brought you with me, which is just, like... As my hostage. Right? Like, come on, man. Like, look. Look, show. I don't... I actually, like, like Chosen. I don't know why exactly, but I do like Chosen in this show. Because he has such a weird energy to him. But, but, like... Canonically, I don't think anyone should end up with someone who held a knife to their throat. Yeah, I mean, did you watch that movie, guys? Like, you can forgive someone, but, like, I just don't think you should date them. That's all. You don't have to hang out with them. You don't have to keep in touch with them. You definitely don't have to answer their drunk dials. I want to see Kumiko on the other end laughing maniacally to herself, a la Terry Silver being like, just you wait, chosen. <laughs> and then it's like snorting a huge line of coke. Yes. <laughs> Coke is the real spawn con here. Right. Um, so, like, can we also talk about how Chosen leads this, like, after hours guys night? Well, Amanda and Carmen say, let's go to bed. In this, like, I just, I, I get that Carmen's pregnant and she might, what God, the fuck? Like, Amanda pregnant. can't party? Amanda can't hit the clubs? Amanda wants to go to bed at 9 p.m.? I mean, I think she probably just wants to take Carmen home. The f- God damn it, guys. 
I'm, I'm fine with that. Like, have you ever been clubbing Nina? I get exhausted at like 1030. It's like... Daniel's older than her. Johnny's like 60 years old. Well, Johnny's Johnny and Daniel's just trying to prove that he can hang, but he's exhausted and wants to go to bed too, obviously. And chosen has chosen energy. Just on the heels of the whole Kumiko thing, it riled me up. Like, let the women have some goddamn fun. So you wanted Amanda to like say, Carmen, bitch, catch your own Uber and just like ditch her? I want to see Amanda do just one thing for herself. <laughs> That's what I want. We don't know where she's going on the way home. Maybe she'll Pick do it something up Kumiko. for <laughs> Wait, I thought you said the Kumiko was Amanda. I know! No! No! <laughs> this is what no. I wanted no. the entire time. No, no, um, sucked into my universe. We um, okay, we're in the limo. I, the tiger, is blasting. They're all, like, playing air guitar. What do you, like you feel about this I scene? I feel like it's on this. So I love the song, obviously. I'm glad they got the rights to it. But sometimes I feel like, I felt like it was cringe, where I think the bonding was nice in the club. And, you know, it's only, like, because we know how the scene sort of wraps up and, like, it has to set up the scene for Mike Barnes to be the secret reveal, the driver. But the limo's been hijacked. Yeah. I don't need the limo karaoke. It's a little too schmaltzy for this show. And it's actually a little too long. Like, I wouldn't have mind a second of it, but, like, it's like, one, maybe they're just, like, really excited they got the rights to the song. Well, but when like, you pay $5 million for Eye of the Tiger, you were going to use every goddamn second yeah, you have. Ah, oh, man. And it also seemed a little pandery. Like, look... It's an 80s song, and these, like, 80s movie guys are, like, rocking out to it. And I'm like, what? Was this scene written See, for Nina? Is... And it didn't even work on Nina. Yeah, well, that's because I'm a connoisseur. Because I feel like from the YouTube days, it's like, I'm not going to say this show sold out, but it's like, this is what happens when you get Netflix money involved, because Netflix is like, the average user is not going to understand a deep-cut 80s song. You have to play the fucking number one hit in 1985 from the best-selling movie of all time from 1985, Rocky IV or whatever, Rocky III. Um, so it's just like, I don't know. It, sometimes it's a teen show, but it's for us and nostalgia adults. And and you never the, really need to see three dudes rocking out to a song for like a full 30 seconds. Maybe like 10 seconds is fine. You like cut the cut off. away. Yeah, exactly. I was cringing both times. This is when I, I the first time I saw this, I was like, I think the show has jumped the shark. Like, something about that limo scene just didn't sit right with me. Don't at me, users, but I don't know. Uh, I mean, I feel like if it jumped the shark, that probably happened, like, the moment that, like, Terry Silver appeared in a red bathrobe. Come no, on. No. The only reason that you love that is because you love Terry Silver. It no, is. We can talk about, a, like, a separate pod about when the show jumped the shark. I would say it's when, like, Iron Braid got off the, the flight. And we're like, he's bringing in ringers? Why? I mean, yeah, that's pretty bad. <laughs> but, <laughs> but it's like it's like everything, though. Like, Carrie in the bathrobe, Iron Braid in her ringers, like, the, the scene in the limo. There's always, like, for me, like, this really strange... And this is why we keep potting the show and why I think deep down we love the show. It's so odd. It's like, you're both like, this is the worst thing ever. And also, like, well, it's kind of fun, though. Huh. I know. And it's like... Look, Chosen is a great character, and he brings a manic energy to whatever scene he's in. And if I wanted to see anyone bopping at the Eye of the Tiger, it actually would just be him doing it by himself. I want a gif of him just doing that, just nothing but that, yes. And the thing is, it's like, you know when we were watching season one and two, and we were like, all we want is to see Daniel and Johnny hanging out? 
But I think we like them hanging out when it's like they have that tension still. Now they're just genuinely friends. And it's not an interesting dynamic really to explore. They're done. They're done. They're cooked. No, I mean, like, that's the thing. Like, I think that to a certain extent, like, I know there's another season coming. But there's a lot of, like, dynamics like, yeah, no, Johnny and, and, and Daniel, they're done. Their arc is complete. Uh, and if they try to, like, make them fight again, that's, that's just going to be kind of, like, repeating the same beats. Same with, like, you know, the Miguel arc, the Johnny, like, going from being, like, this bitter dude to being, like, this happy family man. Next season's got to be all about Chosen, I guess. The Chosen Kumiko arc, where she finally gets uh, to stab him. I hope it's Kumiko being, like, She um, holds a knife no. to his throat. Yeah, yeah, you know. Or, so, they, or, apparently oh, she was Amanda all along, so who knows. <laughs> but, of course, like, uh, the limo scene is blissfully cut short when they realize they're going the wrong direction. That the doors are locked. Which, shouldn't they be locked? Like, at one point, like, Chosen's totally, like, trying to get out. He's like, well, somebody doesn't I want mean, us to leave. I'm like, why are you... Locked, but not, like, child protective locks kind of thing, maybe. I, yeah, okay, sure. So, he's trying to open the door while they're driving, which just seems like... What? Who did you think was driving the first time you watched this? Oh, I probably thought Silver was driving, because Silver's everywhere. everywhere. Yeah, he checked out of the cancer ward, <laughs> and he's like, "I'm gonna go drive this little for a while." I love it. Um, I actually thought Crease was driving it. <laughs> I thought Crease had like masterminded his prison escape, and this was like Crease's revenge. You know what? That's no stupider than anything else. And again, with it, of course, it turns out that Mike Barnes is driving the limo. And of course, look, I'm as happy as anyone else to get the inevitable scene of like all three Karate Kid franchise villains like storming the place, like storming Silver's place. Look, I'm fine with that. But how did Mike Barnes find them? TBD, Lata. That's an episode 10 finale question. <sighs> You're right. I'm sorry. You're right. We don't even um... know it's Mike Barnes at the end of this episode. <laughs> And we have been talking about this episode longer than the episode lasted. Do you realize What did I tell you? We had a lot of thoughts. Yeah. Most impact chosen. Yeah. Um, Okay. Straight thoughts. Oh, man. I think Chosen's dance skills aren't bad. Right. I like... I actually like the music choices. I don't know if I much liked the accompanying visuals, shall we say. I like that everybody kind of loses their shit to You Spin Me Right right Round, because that is a great song. That is a great song, and I haven't heard that in a long time, so good choice, show. Yeah. Um, Ravi, just him and... Him and Miguel just hitting the Xanax, you know? <laughs> they really are. They're like... They, they have no issues left. There's not a single issue between them. Um, God... Just thinking about how much Sam and and Miguel like screen time. It adds more credence to my theory that Miguel is stuck in Groundhog Day every day he wakes up and he has the same conversation with Sam about right. their breakup. And he's not. Even, Did she know that she quit karate and then got back into karate? Sure why she's Did you know mad that? at him? Mm. But he keeps finding like the octopus necklace in the same place. <laughs> Guys, write that script. Right, that horror movie script. Please, <laughs> please do that. Um, All right, rating. Rating. Okay. Um, I'm going to give it three out of five chosen drunk dials. Um, I think it's a good setup, but, and I had some fun moments. And I, I now, like, if, if Silver really is dying, well. This he is, is not dying. Okay, you heard it here first, guys. 
Prostate cancer is very curable, all right? We don't know that's what he has, Lotha. I mean, everybody has that. Um, <laughs> I would actually give it 3.5. Prostate cancers. No. <laughs> How dare you take prostate cancer so lightly? Um, 3.5 uh, epic Louis Viennouche fights. Which, you know what? I like that. I like that. I like that they both like, have been hanging around karate people long enough to kind of brawl. But not, not that well. Okay, maybe this has just been an hour-long advertisement for the Melanoma Foundation. <laughs> I don't know, guys. Um, you can follow us at Kai underscore cast or write to us at CobraKaiNeverDiesCast at gmail.com. We will be reconvening in two weeks for our finale. Mm-hmm. Get Season excited. Five. Get excited and also get screened for every type of cancer. God damn it. Like that. <laughs> Strike first. Strike hard. No mercy. No mercy.